You're listening to the Morphology Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Morphology Podcast, aka Murph here to share interviews about biking experiences from cyclists who have pedaled to places all over. Each week, we will get to know new people and explore new destinations to ride your bike. As you listen to these adventures, you may wonder, why haven't I done that yet? Well, you probably already know that I am a co-host on another podcast called Just Go Bike. Recently, Andrea and I caught up with Jason Sumner from the Ride the Rockies team, who is a longtime cyclist and a Colorado native living in Crested Butte. He's a journalist and has authored the book, 75 Classic Rides Colorado. Ride the Rockies, a multi-day tour that explores communities in Colorado, has many similarities to Ragbri, the seven-day tour across Iowa, and has the history to prove it. Back in 1985, Claire Martin, a Denver Post reporter, came to Iowa to ride Ragbri and got hooked. She went back to Colorado and pitched the idea to the Denver Post. A year later, Ride the Rockies was born. www.ridetherockies.com is the website. And here is Jason, myself, and Andrea to tell us more about Ride the Rockies. A quick interruption to tell you this week's podcast is sponsored by Lizard Lips Lip Balm. These great lip balms contain natural ingredients, come in a variety of flavors, and you can choose certified organic or balms with sun protection. Check it out at lizardlips.net. Now back to the show. All right, listeners, I've got Morphology and our special guest for today, Jason Sumner on the phone. Hey, Jason. Uh, How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Yes, we're so excited to have Jason on the phone because he is our resident Ride the Rockies expert. So we're going to be picking his brain today. Yes. Yes, Jason comes to us as a longtime cycling writer and journalist, and he's also authored a book called 75 Classic Rides Colorado. So I encourage you to look it up and you'll see why as you listen to this podcast. Oh, what was the name of that book? 75 Classic Rides Colorado. Colorado. Ooh, that is very cool. Amazon, here I come. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So let's get started by, tell us a little bit about what type of bicycling you're into and what is bicycling like where you're from? Yeah, sounds good. I, you know, the short answer is all types. I would consider myself um, non-discriminatory discriminatory when it comes to riding bikes. Um, but I live in a, a town called Crested Butte, mm. which is pretty high up in the in the central part of the Colorado Rockies. Um, my living room's at 8,600 feet. So wow. right now, um, the only bike I could ride if I wanted to would be a fat bike because there's a couple feet of snow on the ground. Yeah. Um, but come summertime, I'll spend you know 60 or 70 percent of my time riding mountain bikes, only because that's what that's what uh, is best around here. But mm. I also Love to get out on a road bike and the gravel bike and, and, you know, the commuter bike and pulling my kids around the neighborhood. So it's um, really a little bit of everything. But And there's great road cycling around here, too. But it just it takes a little while for the snow to melt and for the roads to clear and things like that. Um, I would. Yeah. It's, uh, go J- ahead. Jason, I would guess if you came to Iowa and rode Ragbri, you would have the secret weapon of coming <laughs> from high elevation. Because, you know, where I live, I don't know about you, Andrea, but where I live... It's, I think we're 800 feet of elevation. That's where where I live. And here you are at 8,000. Like, you've got superpowers. 
It definitely helps. Like it, um, you know, one of the big things folks will, one of the biggest intimidating factors with Ride the Rockies, which is what we're going to, I know we're going to talk about it a little more in a, in a few minutes is, is acclimatization and getting ready for the altitude. And yeah. obviously living at altitude is, is, you know, maybe an unfair advantage. I have a little more of a few more, you know, oxygen carrying red blood cells in my body just by proximity. It's a, a <laughs> you know, by sleeping here, I get a benefit. But. <laughs> and I, I don't know if it's in my brain or if it's actually reality, but I was in Denver a couple weeks ago for the Ride the Rockies announcement party. And I literally could tell, like, you know, when I was trying to sleep, I could just, everything felt different. And I'm like, is it the elevation or is it in my brain? Uh, <laughs> uh, I think it's probably both. I, yeah. I, I think I think people can let it sort of spiral out of control and be mm. something that can end up having a really negative effect. But the, there's, you know, there's, it's based in science and, and human physiology that um, there is such things as acclimatization and there's, you know, a reason that there's Sherpas that take people to the top of Mount Everest because yeah. they're really good at breathing in a place that doesn't have a ton of oxygen. So, yeah. you know, the, I think the suggestion is that if you can, you know, if somebody's going to, whether it's ride the Rockies or just in general, if you can spend a little extra time on the front end of whatever endeavor it is on your bike and sort of get acclimatized, you'll feel a little better once you get out there. But, and the good news is the body does adapt. And mm-hmm. so maybe that first, first day, you know, you're, you're feeling those steps up the stairs, but um, you know, and I'll feel it. I'll go, I'm, for instance, I'm going down to Arizona for a work project at the end of this week. And I know when I come back those first couple of days, I'll, I'll breathe a little heavier, you yeah. know, running up the stairs <laughs> to go chase my kids around or whatever. So, <laughs> okay, um, good. So it wasn't but, all yeah. in my brain then. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, should we talk specifically about Ride the Rockies? I'd yeah. love to. Yeah. Let's dig in. Uh, I guess let's start from the start. Um, tell us just a little bit, sort of the like five cent version of Ride the Rockies history and how it all started. Yeah. So I, it's, you know, I had to dig into this a little bit. I did some research. Um, so it goes all the way back to, and ironically, this is a great story. In 1985, uh, a woman named Claire Martin who is a reporter for the Denver Post, Was a, she's also a passionate cyclist. She headed off to Iowa and she did rag brine. What? And, and she said, wow, this is awesome. What a cool event, you know, bringing all these people together, shared passion of riding bikes. Colorado needs a rag brine. And um, so she went back to her bosses at the Denver Post, told them about the amazing experience she had had at rag brine said we should do this and at the time um the denver post had a um we'll call it an events slash promotions arm within you know obviously they're mainly a newspaper but they had these other i think they had a golf tournament and things like that and so she pitched the idea of like why don't we do something called ride the rockies and i i, I don't know exactly exactly when the name was settled on and um according to a little bit of the research i did um claire said you know it took a little cajoling but she talked uh, the powers that be into doing it and a year later 1986 the first ride the rockies started in grand junction uh covered 305 miles and um, about 1500 people joined up and they went grand junction to denver and and ironically um covered a lot of the same terrain that we're going to cover the, at this year's race went through um, Glenwood Springs, went through Aspen, went through Dillon, went over some of the same passes, Independence Pass, Fremont Pass, Loveland Pass. So mm. um, while not an exact historical replica of, of year one, uh, the 2022 
version is going to at least have you know some similarities and so we're going coming in the event has evolved and changed over the years some but it's you know sort of held to that main mission of just exposing people to the great road cycling in colorado and this will be year number 36 that one year was missed like a lot of things got canceled in 2020 so mm-hmm. it's uh, year 36 and um here we go Wow, so it's amazing the connection between, well, direct connection to RAGBRAI, but also so similar because, you know, RAGBRAI was founded by two journalists who were kind of getting out of work and wanted to ride across, you know, do something uh, riding their bikes and same sort of connection to a newspaper and that's just crazy to think about. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really cool. And it's, I mean, it makes sense, you know, a lot of ways to take a step. I mean, the newspaper connection aside, like these types of events are just such an amazing, wonderful way to experience a place, experience cycling, experience, you know, shared, um, you know, experience, shared experience with, you know, like-minded people, that kind of thing. It's, it's super fun. So, Agreed. Uh, it's, and, it's, and I think the draw for RAGBRAI in Iowa is that we have so many small communities, you know, typically they're within, you know, 10 to 15 miles from the previous town. So we're really able to showcase Iowa. And I'm assuming Ride the Rockies is similar. It might not be exactly the same, but that's sounds like it's also the focus. That, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was um, according to calculations based on last year's event, um, over the years, Ride the Rockies is started and or finished in 50 different communities uh, across the state of Colorado. And obviously through those years, there's been a lot of of repeat customers, if you will. You know, towns like Aspen and Breckenridge and Glenwood Springs have have been frequent hosts, you know, over the span of 35 years, you know, know, for obvious reasons. But and then, yeah, I mean, that's really um, I encourage anyone who hasn't experienced Ride the Rockies before. Ride the Rockies veterans already get this, that while the cycling and the scenery the suffering, the exhilaration, all of those are, are huge factors in the in the, what makes the Ride the Rockies experience great. You know, in a lot of ways, the biggest, you know, number one thing is is getting to sort of embed into the communities and and the um, the communities will come out and you'll see, people will see at the finish line each day there will be a bunch of vendors and and some of those vendors will be you know the high school basketball team will be selling Mm. spaghetti to try to raise money for you know their next you know season or things like that and so there's this really neat connection between community and the people there and and that's part of ride the rockies has not necessarily ever been in the food business um last year notwithstanding and that's a whole nother story that was all pandemic driven but typically you know ride the rockies wants the communities to come out and wants the people who are doing ride the rockies to go into the communities mm. and really experience the restaurants and and the shops and just really go and and um you know find out what these little cool little places in colorado are all about because mm-hmm. you get to visit some places that might not otherwise have been on your sort of checklist of of places to go so it's it's really neat in that respect well, and so many places to visit in the short span of the ride. I mean, yeah. I might go to Breckenridge or I might go to Aspen, but I wouldn't go to five, six, whatever, however many different locations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so cool. absolutely. Great point. Great point. Yeah. I also want to point out, you said uh, it's one of the things that make the ride, the ride great and suffering in the same sentence. And everyone believes <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
something about cyclists. They're just crazy like that. Yeah. Um, this one's a good one. This one's got, I mean, we'll, I think we'll get to that. But yes, there yeah. are some major challenges along the way this year. Well, yeah. and you mentioned um, the first Ride the Rockies, or at least back in the early days, there were like 1,500 riders. What's it like, you know, this year in 2022? Is it still that big or is it bigger? You know, it's a little bit bigger. The I was actually I checked with the the um, event director this morning just to make sure I had the number right. Twenty five hundred is the max. Oh, okay. And it typically gets real close to, if not selling out. Um, so I would encourage anyone who's you know interested. It's it's there's still plenty of room right now, but um, spots are filling up fast, and it's it's good to get in there, um, especially for things like hotels. There's some scarcity with um, with some of the like hotel bookings. There's not twenty five hundred spots for people to do hotels right. but a lot of people do camp as well but yeah you know you'll typically um and i think you know at the end of the day there's always a little bit of attrition but figure you'll you know you and roughly two thousand of your best friends will be taking on um this 436 mile six day journey with twenty seven thousand feet of climbing um <laughs> across the state of colorado <laughs> twenty seven thousand. yikes and uh yeah. andrea registration is open now correct that's right. Yeah. And it's a long URL. So I'll just say, if you're interested in registration, go to the Ride the Rockies website and it'll be right there mm. at the click of a button. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. RideTheRockies.com. And, and yep. it's uh, right there on the, it's dead center on that homepage. Awesome. Yeah. Well, try to make it easy to find. <laughs> yeah. Well, should we talk about the route this year? Because it's been obvious, just like Ragbri, that the route changes every year, right? Yep, hundred percent. It's um, you know, again, we'll we'll you know retrace steps from years past, but every every route has a a slightly you know unique character. And um, this year's route starts in Copper Mountain, which is um, you know best known as a as a ski resort in the winter. Um, great skiing there in the winter, but there's also um, kind of a little nice little village there and a great place to to bring two thousand people together. And um, I won't go like town by town by town, but there's, you know, some great highlights along the way. And mm -hmm. probably the biggest highlight honestly comes on day one when the route will go through um, Glenwood Canyon. And Glenwood Canyon is um, bisect by um, Interstate 70, but there's also a fantastic bike path that goes through Glenwood Canyon. The other thing that goes through Glenwood Canyon that's far more prominent than neither of those is the Colorado River, which oh. was actually how um glenwood candy was constructed but um it's really cool it's it's a historic first to the event and um i think it's gonna be a really neat it's a long day um the good news is it's it's 110 miles you know give or take but it's most of the climbing is front loaded so like you can mm. at least get out and get after it and mm -hmm. get that the big climbing out of the way on the front and then it's fairly flat the rest of the way you know you're cruising on either fronted roads or um, bike path along i-70 to into Glenwood Canyon, through Glenwood Canyon, and to the finish on the other side in Glenwood Springs. Hmm. Um, so that is one of two 100-mile days. Um, the good news is the second 100-mile day is on day three. So day two, you get a, a little rest. It's a shorter day, only 31 miles. Uh, Glenwood Springs over to Basalt and, and much less climbing. So you kind of like get a recovery day. Everyone's familiar with those. And then, um, But then again, wind it up again on day three for another 100-mile day. And it's probably... Day three is probably the hardest day because we were what's called the Independence Pass, mm. um, summit elevation, 12,095 feet. Ooh. And um, you'll climb about 4,000 feet. Um, you'll 
kind of started on the far side of Aspen in a little town called Basalt and ride kind of um, up valley gently. And then all of a sudden the road's going to pop skyward and, and uh, head up Independence Pass on on the west side of Independence Pass, which is one of the you know sort of iconic climbs in all of Colorado. So that's going to be a ton of fun. I'm I'm just envisioning the views because, you know, on Ragbri, when you get to the top of a, a, there's, you know, obviously no mountains in Iowa, but you get to the top of a big climb and that's usually where everyone's kind of stopped and taking their cameras out and phones out to take photographs. So I can only imagine the Colorado views. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's, um, Independence Pass is amazing as are like, there's several others. Loveland Pass is another one that we'll climb. Um, I think I did account the route will actually cross the continental divide five times. Oh, wow. Typically continental divide crossings. If, if you're not familiar, it's basically the, you know, if water going to the left goes to the Atlantic ocean, water going to the right goes to the Pacific ocean. Um, and the continental divide bisects um, the Rockies in Colorado. will cross it five different times. And in all those cases, it will be at the top of a pass and there's invariably a sign there. So I think it'll be fun. People can make it a little project. They can get their, photo taken in front of of the five different continental divide signs that we will uh, we will pass mm. along the way and um and the associated scenery which yes is is um pretty second to none I, i'm biased i'm a colorado native and have lived here for for most of my 51 years and um it is a very beautiful place to call home mm. yeah i'm sure it's breathtaking i i think we have our scavenger hunt figured out for this year <laughs> yes <laughs> there you go <laughs> All right. So tell me, so that's what the route is going to be like. Um, but let's get a little bit more granular. Tell us what, what is a typical day like for a rider? Maybe not the short 30 mile day, but let's say when do you usually wake up and uh, hit the road and what is it like for a rider? That's a great question. So the, the short answer is it varies a little bit. Um, and I'll, and I, I'll qualify it because what the, the ride the Rockies format, and I, I'm assuming rag ride probably is similar is there's sort of a, a start window. It's not all 2000 people mm-hmm. lining up at 655 sharp and all rolling away at once. Now that could happen like, but it would be organic. And what typically mm-hmm. it is, is there's an open, there's an open start window and that might say on a, on a, on a longer day that might start at 5 AM and go till 9 AM. And I'm, I'm just sort of, I'm spitballing a little mm-hmm. bit here. Um, sure. The reason being some folks, they want to start early and get done early. Some folks kind of want to sleep in and, and, and don't mind starting a little later. Some folks ride really slowly and they know that. And so they want to give themselves the maximum amount of time. Other folks are planning to, you know, drool on their top tube the entire day because they're pushing <laughs> themselves so hard and will need less time. And so that is a, a sort of self-selection thing. It's really important to think about that. And and I think it's typically based on like, you know, the slowest riders are maybe averaging 10 or 12 miles an hour. And so they need to think in their head um, when they start. So you'll get up early. How early is it'll be a little bit up to you. You mm-hmm. obviously get to get yourself fed. You get your bag packed up. Um, what you do with your bag depends a little bit on the lodgings you choose. And, and there's essentially two variables. You can either do, sleep in a hotel or you can sleep in a tent. Um, in either case, you'll need to pack up all your stuff and drop your bag at a predetermined location so that it can be transferred for you while you're out on your bike. Mm. You'll get some food in you. And again, Ride the Rocks is not necessarily in the food business. So this will be an opportunity to venture into the town, find you know a great place to get a bagel and a cup of coffee or whatever it is. There's also going to be vendors um, on site from the local community 
Um, and then you're jumping on your bike and just, and you're paddling and you're doing your thing. And, and, um, the routes are exceptionally well marked. There are GPS files available so you can track your progress on your head unit on your, you know, mounted on your handlebars if you're so inclined. Um, and there'll be a bevy of aid stations along the way. And those aid stations will have, um, the standard fare that you would expect, you know, the bananas and the hydration drinks and, and, you know, good sort of bike fuel, if you will. Um, there's also typically a number of vendors. Um, the pancake guy is really famous and he literally is just Ooh. the pancake guy. Mm. There's somebody, you know, and those vendors maybe won't necessarily be at every aid station, but, um, some of the more prominent aid stations, they'll set up shop and be, um, selling their wares, you know, whether it's pancakes or hot dogs or, you know, um, things like that. And, um, the aid stations are great. They're just sort of like this, this party, um, of, you know, celebration often, you know, especially the ones that are at the, the top of the climbs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, you'll ride your bike and you'll ride with your friends. You'll ride by yourself, kind of whatever, however, the experience is, is very much what you want to make of it. Um, which I, I really love about it. I think I often will sort of ride alone, um, and then sort of just intermingle with people. And it's a really fun way to just meet new people out on the road and have conversations and find out where people are from and yeah. how their day is going. And I think it's good to know how to ride in a pace line. And um, because there are definitely some places where it'll be flat and wide open and windy. And, you know, if you can share the load a little bit and jump in those pace lines and, and um, have a little fun and, and save a little energy that way. And, and, uh, you know, enjoy the scenery along the way, take pictures. Um, you know, I think that's another thing I really encourage, you know, anyone who's doing it to really try to embrace, you know, not just look at the line ahead of you or the, or the wheel in front of you and just try to get to the finish line, but really, you know, smell the proverbial roses. Um, so hopefully that answers your question at least somewhat. Oh Um, yeah, man. If I, if I am coming on this ride, I'm definitely going to be stopping and taking photos, lots and lots of photos. Yeah. I got to meet that pancake vendor. I got to try those pancakes. Everybody's been talking yeah. about him. Yeah. <laughs> it's lunchtime for us right now. I'm, all I can think about is pancakes. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So then speaking of food, you know, uh, the rider gets done with their day, probably, you know, gets their camp or hotel set up, showers up. Is there entertainment at night or is there a gathering in the evenings? Yeah. So again, it's, it's real, it's kind of organic in some ways, but yeah. So each, um, each day you will start well you will finish at it it's typically sort of one of these three things it's it's the city park in the town it's it's a rec center a community center or maybe it's a high school um somewhere that sort of kind of prerequisite here is that there's a big field because and i know we were going to talk about this in a minute where the camping can happen and so Mm -hmm. you'll just see these rows and rows and rows of tents and there'll be sections that are specifically um, earmarked for camping for people to set up their tents or there's actually a service where you can have somebody else set up your tent for you um so that's one part but then yeah it'll be just this giant communal area where there'll be you know everything from beer of course we'll have you know i, I don't know who the beer sponsor is this year so i won't speak to that but um you know that post-ride beer there's often live music and then again as i mentioned earlier um local vendors so whether it's you know a local restaurant coming in and selling their wares mm-hmm. you know out of a out of a tent um but there'll be food to have snacks um you know a nice shady trees grass to sit in just to you know i call it sort of 
post ride each day is maybe the five R's of recovery, relax, rehydrate, refuel and rest. Nice. Um, okay. but also, you know, a little bit of recreate, like see, you know, hang out with your friends, talk to, you know, hear about their day, tell them about your day. Um, and, you know, and also some people will venture into town and go find, you know, a restaurant that they'd heard good, great things about, or, um, so other folks may head back, just head back to their hotel room. Um, that mm-hmm. is like a, a sort of an add-on option is you can sleep in hotels and that can, that's all pre-booked and there's a, a service that'll um, move your bags around and handle all that for you. But, um, but I encourage everyone that's sort of one, again, one of the most fun things is just kind of meeting people and talking. And, and so the finish line area, which is also typically where the start is the next day is a great place to, and there are also shower trucks bike storage um there's typically a massage um giant massage tent and they bring in a lot of massage therapists either locally or from from maybe from denver who will be um doing you know recovery massage so Mm -hmm. it's a it's a fun place to be you're always really excited when you get there so i I bet (laughs) i know i was gonna say i heard pancakes massage beer (laughs) there you go i this this is pretty exciting right boxes (laughs) (laughs) You did mention a couple of days that are over 100 miles. Any other challenges that you think the writers will be facing this year? Um, you know, I'll knock on wood, but weather is invariably um, can be a challenge. And we've had, you know, in the years I've been involved, we've had snow. Um, we've had, last year we had blistering heat. We had a really uncharacteristically warm uh, June. And we had days where we were up at, 12,000 feet and yet it was still above 80 degrees Mm. Um, so being able to adapt to the weather bringing the right clothing understanding how your body's going to react to the weather is definitely a really really important thing to sort out beforehand um you know the Mm. number one rule of of sort of doing any big cycling endeavor is that you know kind of do your experimentation beforehand don't do it at the event um (laughs) but you know knock on wood we'll have a perfect you know june can be typically june is fairly stable weather-wise um but we can go through you know cycles where we'll every every afternoon we'll have a thunderstorm roll through and you know it's the afternoon showers and in some ways you kind of look forward to it it cools things off and (laughs) you know gives but if you're out you know if you're up at the top of you know independence pass and a lightning storm that's not fun because there's you know you're at twelve thousand feet so um and that's another reason i think you know it's important for people to pay attention to what's going on with the weather on a day-to-day basis. And if you know, like, Oh, Hey, it looks like it's going to rain tomorrow afternoon. And yet we're on, we have a hundred mile day and we have to climb over a 12,000 foot pass. You might want to jump on your bike a little bit earlier Mm -hmm. and try to get out. You know, it's one thing to be in a, in a rainstorm when you're pedaling along in some Valley, uh, you know, an entirely different one to be descending off the top of, of a, you know, you know, above tree line um, summit pass or, you know, Rocky mountain pass. So, um, but yeah, we'll see. And, you know, the other thing is obviously just those big miles and, and a lot of climbing. Um, that is a challenge, like, unlike any other, you know, when you're riding bikes. Yeah. A, a lot of elevation, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I did notice, um, on the website and actually I got to meet some of the people from some organizations that have teams for this event. And I know that, you know, like you said, you can, register by yourself and go by yourself and you're sure to meet plenty of other people 
But a couple of teams that I wanted to at least showcase really quick because they do so much as far as nonprofits go, and that is the Samaritan Cycling Team. And if anybody watched the route announcement party, they were the team that got to hold up the each of the towns when we announced the towns. So that was really cool. Um, like Tom Schwein and his crew got up on stage, and they do it's just amazing that what they do as far as raising money yeah absolutely yeah there's uh, samaritan cycling and davis mini foundation and probably the other two big prominent ones so the adaptive sports and mm. the we ride for and in all cases you know they they each bring a you know a slightly different approach to it but they're you know raising awareness and also raising money i think the number i've heard um Tom throw out was that through his association with Ride the Rockies, Samaritan Cycling's raised um, a roughly a million dollars, mm. um, and it's you know for providing funds to people who are experiencing homelessness and mm. kind of need emergency assistance, food, clothing, shelter in the in the state of Colorado. Um, so obviously, really great organization. Davis Finney Foundation. I bet a lot of people are familiar with that. Um, Davis Finney is a you know sort of one of America's first great professional cyclists. Um, also um, is um, living with Parkinson's, um, living well with Parkinson's, mm -hmm. but his foundation helps raise money to help other people, um, you know, live and deal with, with Parkinson's disease. And it's a um, great organization and you'll see them out there. They'll all be in there. They'll have their matching kits and they'll ride together. And it's, it's really neat mm -hmm. to just see them out there. And, and that's really the event is really that's in a lot of ways what the event is all about the the former um operators of the event would be, was was actually what's called the denver post denver post community foundation that's a nonprofit that has been doing philanthropic um good deeds in the state of colorado for years and years and have raised um you know approaching i think half a million dollars through ride the rockies for communities that they visit along the way mm. um through grants and um you know sort of all kinds of different charitable giving and i, I know i talked to the event director a little bit about this for instance each of the towns that the event visits visits this year will receive ten thousand dollars from from ride the rockies both to sort of help them you know organize and, and put on the best show that they possibly can but also to choose a charity a local charity that is um important to them and, oh, nice. and give them some money to so i think it's like i think five thousand dollars for the local organizing communities and another five thousand for a designated local charity so it's the idea is to really touch the communities that the event is visiting mm -hmm. um, so that whole part of it is it's really cool and, and in a lot of ways that's what this thing's all about and what what's made it such a big success is um, you know, the communities embrace the event because they know the good that it brings. Yeah. And as a rider, you're also contributing to all of those small communities when you go in there and, you know, grab a Gatorade or have lunch or, you know, whatever you may do while you're in those communities, you're, you are benefiting them. hundred percent, hundred percent. And yeah, I, I wanted uh, to mention when you go to the website, you can see lots of information about some of these major teams like we mentioned, and there also is an opportunity to join them. So if you are going to do Ride the Rockies solo, but you want to you know, be part of a team and also part of some sort of nonprofit that's giving back, I would definitely check out, you know, like the Davis Finney Foundation or Samaritan Cycling. Those are just two of them, but there's quite a few that are listed on the website. Right on. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. That's a great point. And uh, yeah, they're just a bunch of really fun people. So it'd be, uh, you know, all kinds of good, good would come of that. Well, it's been 
really interesting and uh, really making me look forward to having a the Ride the Rockies event in June, my first ever Ride the Rockies. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Jason, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Um, and I look forward to hearing more from you as we get closer to the ride. Oh, thank um, you. It was a, it was a pleasure. It's a, yeah. It's a and then really the, neat event to be a part of. So yeah. I'm excited and excited to see where where um, Ventures Endurance can take it, and, and uh, it's going to be a fun ride. Yeah. Yeah. And in the meantime, if you have any questions about Ride the Rockies, or if you have any want to look up and read more about what we've been talking about today, you can go to ridetherockies.com. It's also where you can go register. Um, and if you have any questions you'd like to ask us directly, you can email info at ridetherockies.com. Thanks, Jason, for coming on today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yes, with thank you. Well, listeners, that's it for this week. If you're interested in learning more about my bike tour across the U.S., go to my website, which is morphologypodcast.com, and click on the tab labeled Murph's Biking the U.S. Email me at morphologypodcast at gmail.com if you have a topic or the name of a cyclist you find interesting. Support my podcast at patreon.com slash morphology and visit both my Facebook and Instagram pages for daily entertainment. Also, a quick shout out to Simmons Electric for sponsoring this episode. I have more great episodes in the pipeline, so I hope you continue to be a Murphology Podcast listener. Thank you. Thank you.